0: Hello, you're welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from OnShot.net. Special episode, Untangling the Christmas Decorations. If you've been listening to this podcast for some time, you'll know that I often compare the Irish primary education system to the Christmas decorations you find in the attic every year. Um, if you're someone who uh, decorates a Christmas tree at home if you do celebrate Christmas, this uh, well, this analogy won't be alien to you. Once you get the box down from the attic, you get your uh, Christmas lights and you're about to put them around the tree because, you know, evidently you've wound them nicely from the year before. But for every reason, whatever has happened, they're all in a hopeless tangle. And no matter what you do, um, you uh, get at them and you try and untangle each knot. And every time you think you've untangled a knot, it creates a new knot. And you keep going at it for hours and hours and hours. And after a while, you just go, do you know what? And you just throw it over the tree and hope that nobody notices. Just kind of like what you did last year when you tried to tackle the Christmas lights. And that's kind of the way I look at um the primary education system every so often we have a look at it and try and dismantle the madness of it and we just end up making it all naughtier and we just hope uh, that and we just basically in the end just throw it all over our virtual tree and hope that it all goes well. Now usually when I give this analogy um, my episodes happen to be in July uh, rather than near December so I decided given that it's so close to December and probably acceptable enough uh, to uh, have a Christmas special episode of If I were the Minister for Education, this episode is called Untangling the Christmas Decorations, where I try and look at a couple of uh, stories that have happened in the media during COVID-19 and uh, see what, uh, see if I can highlight any issues in the Irish primary sector because of it. So let's get on with it. The media tends to ignore primary education in normal times, Am I, and why wouldn't they? I mean, in the last two general elections, education didn't even feature in any of the political party's main manifestos. I mean, they were there buried down deep in the we'll we'll make class sizes smaller. Um, But apart from that, they don't really feature in the manifestos. And short of their annual kind of faux rage INTO Congress every Easter, the TV cameras barely ever point their lens to schools, except for the very odd occasion when it's a slow news day Or his story was so big that it was really less about education and more about something else. I mean, just for example, um, I'm thinking of the school campus in Harold's Cross that the Department of Education uh, built or paid for, which was more about property prices than anything to do with education. I think they paid. 23 million euro for the site in Harold's Cross and that was the story rather than it actually being about new schools being opened Uh, similarly the schools in Leafy Suburbia uh, just outside uh, in County Dublin were also not happy about a McDonald's opening up the road from them and that was more about child obesity than education Another example was the refusal of any of the schools in Hyde to divest one of their nine primary schools away from church control, and that was more about religion than education. And then we had a global pandemic, and everyone had to mind their own children, and then education became news. And it really hasn't stayed out of the news. So desperate is everyone to keep schools open. So, is this a story about education, this COVID-19 Or is it really about the economy? Or more cynically, did all the pandemic do really was to highlight how primary schools are basically free childcare and as long as the children were in school, no matter what, then nothing else mattered. COVID-19 has wiped out a lot of the news anyway at the moment and every day seems to be a slow enough news day. And there's only so much radio shows can talk about COVID-19 cases and different vaccines and wet pubs. So schools kind of became the centre of the media for the last term, and um, there hasn't been too many days where schools or um, schools or universities or something to do with education has been in the media. Um, throughout the, the last few months so in this special episode i'm going to explore just three news stories that probably might not have received any media attention if it weren't for covid 19 but they also highlight why the irish education system is akin to my christmas decorations in the attic welcome to my christmas special untangling the christmas decorations The desperation to keep schools open despite very few people asking for them to be closed has taken on, I think, comical um, and probably the exact opposite of comical turns this this term. Despite being told that we're frontline workers schools have yet to have any of the, let's say, benefits that frontline workers generally get. You know, things like, I don't know, like PPE gear? We, We don't get that. And yet the line that schools are the safest places that people can be is still trotted out by not just the um, HSE or NFED or the government. Everyone is saying it. It's, it's amazing how, um, you know, the, as something can be said by someone and it's just believed automatically. And look, I'm not saying schools are completely unsafe and that we should close them. Um, and even though I'm just saying this, and I've done this before in podcasts, it's really interesting, actually. Whenever I've said, uh, made an episode here where I've talked about schools not being as safe, and I, I always mention that they should stay open. I believe that schools should stay open. Someone someone undoubtedly will make a comment on uh, social media to say, oh yeah, you just want to close down the schools and get paid. You should be put on the pup. Um, but anyway, uh, sorry, that's just an aside. And as i said, you know, I'm not actually saying the schools are completely unsafe, and I'm not saying they should be closed down. But and and I'm not even disputing the figure that two percent of all cases from, uh, you know, are, are, are is correct. Now I I don't think it's correct particularly, but I'm even happy to go with it if that's the case. Um, and I mean, it's the percentage that's used to basically prove um, how safe schools are. It's a metric. But if you list all the places where COVID-19 clusters take place schools are actually the fifth highest occurrence of that you know i mean two percent isn't very isn't very high in isolation but if you actually compare it to all the other percentages of clusters schools are the fifth highest occurrence and yes that's ahead of hospitals restaurants churches hotels and pretty much everywhere there isn't a house a nursing home or a residential unit however most comically to me there was an article in the Irish Times last week where it was explained without any sense of irony that staff rooms are the place where these clusters take place, not classrooms, not yards, not anywhere else where social distancing and no mask wearing takes place. Um, sorry, it's it's not like it's 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 astounding that um, it was staff rooms because that they are probably the only places where masks. are are absolutely 100% worn by everybody in there and that social distancing does take place. Everywhere else in the school, social distancing doesn't happen and mask wearing doesn't happen by 99% of the people in there, the children. But tell that to the school in Cork that had to close for two weeks thanks to a cluster of COVID-19 cases, which the principal claims could have been prevented had the HSE had the decency to inform the school when there was a case. Before the midterm break, the HSE contact tracing was getting a lot of criticism from schools as their lines of questioning were, were very poor, which, was, which is true. And during the midterm break, uh, the INTO promised there would be mass testing and fast tracking and the outcome was that the HSE simply weren't telling schools when there's cases. That's what happened. And while no one really believes that 2% of cases, of uh, that basically the 2% um, figure of clusters in schools thanks Uh, in part to the brilliant work from the COVID-19 outbreak in schools uh, Facebook page, even if the percentage is true, it is still far higher than most of the sectors which were forced to close. And given that the media are probably bored of reporting on COVID-19 cases in schools, they probably had to go looking for other stories. And this is where our journey begins. Because sure enough, schools had stories that probably wouldn't have made a small column in a local paper if it weren't for these times. A few of these stories opened up the wider population, let's say, to what actually goes on in schools and to me open up possible conversations for the future. I've covered all of these stories in their widest sense in in the normal podcast that I do if I were the Minister for Education, but it was actually nice to see them acted out in reality in the wide gaze of the media in the last few weeks. And all three of these stories, two of which happened in the last week, demonstrate to me how church control of schools is deeply rooted in Ireland and how for some reason, as a country, we tend to completely ignore it. And it's interesting that all three stories are responsible for my analogy of why schools are like the tangled Christmas decorations. It comes down... Not particularly because it's church control. It's just any private control of schools. Our education system is privately controlled with 97% of schools controlled by particular denominational bodies. And um, in the news were three cases of that. But before I get into those stories, I'll give you, I'll give you another example of, you know, the reason why I, I suppose I'm highlighting them this week because um, these stories happen all the time in schools and yet nobody cares. And I just want to give you an example. A few years ago, the National Maternity Hospital was to be built on the grounds of St. Vincent's Hospital. Okay? No problem so far. However, when it broke that the building would be gifted back to the nuns that owned the land, there was national outrage. There were protests and the media was saturated with TDs, celebrities and every single commentator you could think of them basting this terrible crime that the government would spend several million euro on a building and give it, just basically gift it to a private entity. Now how could the government take taxpayers' money and build a hospital and then gift it back for nothing to a religious group? Seriously. I mean, where else would such a thing ever happen? <clears throat> That's not a COVID cough. Um, Well, (laughs) you know, whenever the government builds a new school for your local denominational school, guess what happens once it's built? Well, since 2010, 463 schools, the vast, vast majority under denominational patronage, at a cost far, far higher than the one hospital. That's uh, what's gifted back to the catholic church every single one of them are gifted back for nothing and do you know how many protests have been held about that do you know how many negative newspaper articles have been written about that apart from that one in harold's cross uh, that i mentioned earlier where the site cost a whopping to a uh, quote 23 million euro which actually uh, the government had to defend um, and, and just as an aside funnily enough Uh, That was the one school that didn't get handed to um, any private body. It's actually owned by the Department of Education or by the government now. Um, Anyway, or owned by the state. Uh, but, But there we are. So it's just an example of, you know, the media can get outraged, the public can get outraged about things that happen in education all the time. And just because it's education, it doesn't seem to rustle a feather. So I'm going to go through a couple of stories, as I said, um, similar to that that uh, might have given outrage if they weren't education stories. My adopted home of Carlo had two of its schools in the news uh, since the start of the school year and on the first day of returning to school, the school, grand school reopening, RTE's MO Kelly travelled down to St Leo's College, a secondary school for what was supposed to be a good news story about the school's reopening safely after COVID-19. Now, Emma uh, O'Kelly found herself inadvertently in a controversy thanks to the fact that this school decided that the best way to open their school for the year was a prayer service, or a mass, if you will. Now, I presume you're thinking I'm about to go on for the next while jumping on the bandwagon, being outraged that a school would hold a mass in 2020 when we live in such a multicultural society and so on, like I always do. However, the purpose of this special episode isn't actually to give out about the schools or even the churches. And I'm not even being nice because two of the schools happen to be in the town where I live and I'm not chickening out. Both of these schools know if I were the Minister for Education, I'd be taking away their patronage the next morning and one of them would also lose the right to be a single-sex school. Well, if they listen to this podcast, they might, which, of course, they don't. Well, St Leo's found themselves um, in the midst of a media storm because they held a mass on their first day of school and all the students were seated two metres apart in a very big hall. And schools, as we know now, are exempt from all the rules around the number of people allowed in a building. For example, I have 450 people in my building five days a week, and bigger schools like St. Leo's have about a 1,000 people in their building on weekdays. Having the mass made absolutely no difference to the safety of the students, and yet the media went mad about the fact that they had a mass. It was pretty clear from the off that the dissenters were mainly pissed off that a mass took place rather than how many people were actually there. After all, they all sent their own children to school knowing full well that their children were going to be in cramped classrooms with far less social distancing. And the ire seemed very much to be about the fact that the school was holding a mass. And at my most generous, I might say that people were right that the mass shouldn't really have happened and that it wasn't a very good idea to host it, socially distant or not, but the comments focused a lot on an anti-religious angle rather than the safety angle. And it seems to me, as a country, we seem to have the impression that Catholic schools don't actually practice Catholicism. For whatever reason, we seem to think that schools just prepare children for a couple of parties, one in second class and one in sixth class, and apart from that, it's all about being nice to each other, isn't it? And when a school actually openly practices one of its most basic tenets, like something as normal as a proper Catholic school as like a mass to give thanks to God for school reopening, the country kind of laughs at them about how backward they are. Now I don't know um why that happens. I mean, I'm not Catholic, I'm not Christian, I'm not I don't have a religion. Um but if I was in a catholic school and i was in a catholic school for my first um three years of my career like that's what you do if you're in a catholic school you take part in catholic things like masses prayer services assemblies where there's religious songs you bless yourself you do all those kind of things they're a daily basis you pray all the time you know the, the you know but people laugh at this i i i Like I, I mean, another example. I don't know if you remember the Bishop of Waterford uh, last year, decrying yoga in schools a while back, and the news and the media and everybody went mad, and everyone was laughing at him, going, "Ah, look at that Bishop Fonzie." I don't know if his name is actually Fonzie. I think that's what people refer to him as. I don't know if that's because he's cool, like the Fonz, or whether it's actually his name. Um, But anyway, schools in his diocese were actually adamant that they were going to keep doing their yoga, and he was, he was just out of touch. Um, there didn't seem to be a single person out there who thought what he said was right. Well, except for me, um, to be honest. Well, maybe not just me, but I certainly was defending him. This bishop was simply doing his job. Catholic doctrine does not recognise yoga as a way of connecting with their God. And he was simply stating that the Catholic version of yoga and meditation was prayer, and that the schools should be doing that instead. Now, if you're in a Catholic school, He's absolutely right. He's completely right. As I said, Catholic's got to be Catholic. You know, people can't just pick and choose the bits they like about Catholicism and expect an entire education system to work around whatever watered-down version of the religion they want, one where prayers aren't said but sacraments are done and children and teachers from minority backgrounds are treated like outcasts. I mean, St. Leo's basically did what I imagine the vast majority of primary and secondary schools had planned to do for their first day back and many probably still did except there wasn't a camera lens there. Another Carlos School, the Presentation College, also found itself in the midst of a controversy in the last week. Depending on who you believe, anything really could have happened. And as it's a story far too close to home for it to be wise for me to comment upon, you can totally ask me privately, but you can probably guess my feelings on the matter, this story was another lens on the Catholic education system. Now, some of you might question that, uh, but, but hear me out. Because to me, it's an obsession with what women wear. Now, uniforms, as you'll know from listening to this podcast, are a massive bugbear of mine. They basically serve two purposes. One is to make parents' lives easier, and I won't deny that. But the other, which is the main reason, because it's it's basically the education system's reason, is to control people. That's what it's there for, is to control Now I've heard every other reason in the world from it preventing bullying to it giving a sense of identity to students and frankly they're all nonsense. And it might be no surprise to listeners of this podcast to hear that the roots of the school uniform are... Religious orders! What a surprise! I don't think this annoys Irish people though that much because the... Religious orders, uh, you know, people seem to be happy enough with that. I mean, they send their children to religious orders every day to be, and teachers are happy to be missionaries every day. That's fine; they don't seem to mind that. But the thing that I probably would annoy my Irish people more is if I, when I say, actually, uniforms are much more of a British thing which um, kind of switches on that hidden nationalist inside of them. However, for whatever reason, we ex-colonial countries love an old uniform. And it must be something to do with our strange obsession with the royal family or or something. I I, I don't know. We can't get enough of British things. Anyway, (laughs) I'm just teasing you there. The reason many schools will enforce a uniform is to ensure modesty. That was the reason for a uniform in the first place. It's to ensure modesty. And I'm not saying that this particular school said the things that were reported, but the truth of the matter is, like St. Leo's, there are quite a number of schools that have asked their female students to dress modestly. That is, lengthen their skirts, not remove their school jumpers, or not wear leggings. Now personally, I can't understand why schools would say or act in such a way, except for the roots of the reasons for uniforms. We know that there are schools who don't even allow this skir- allow girls to wear trousers um you know instead of if their uni- if their girls uniform wants skirts there's a lot and in fact there's more schools than you'd think where they don't allow the girls to wear trousers instead of skirts yes it's 2020 um and i remember actually uh, just as an aside i remember actually being asked to go and news talk once um about this very issue uh not the presentation college thing but about girls not being allowed to wear um, trousers instead of skirts because there was a girl in a Catholic school somewhere in leafy suburbia uh, who arranged a petition to be allowed the ability to wear trousers instead of a skirt in school so on I went uh, to uh, George Hook I don't know if you remember him uh, onto his programme where he began the conversation with I don't even know why I'm talking to you. I don't do a very good George Hook impression. You're one of those educate together schools. And then I basically spent the rest of the interview cajoling the poor man as he tried to cajole me. Anyway, in any case, the whole story just smacked of traditionalism and keeping girls in their place. Now, I've already done a full episode on school uniforms on this podcast, so I'm not going to go into too much more about this. However, this story in Carlo probably only came about because of COVID-19. Although saying that, I'm not absolutely sure of it, except there was probably no other news rather than the fact that due to COVID-19, students were allowed to wear their PE clothes into school on PE days instead of their regular uniform. And look, there's many particular things about this case that make very little sense, except for the fact that an obsession with what girls are wearing in schools hasn't done anyone any favours. As I've said on many occasions, I've kept account of all the incidents I've had around clothing in my school, which doesn't have a uniform, and we're 13 years that we've existed. And so far, the total of problems we've had due to not having a uniform is zero, you know. And people say uniforms make life easy. However, if you send your child to a Catholic school, almost 100% of them have a uniform, and there is a reason for that. And if you're looking for that reason, do you know where you'll find it? Because some of you may still not believe me that this is a religious thing. You'll find it in the Catholic preschool and primary religious education curriculum, which all Catholic primary schools have to follow. And it states in black and white, I am not making this up, a Christian practices the virtue of chastity by cultivating decency and modesty in behaviour and dress and speech. Now, That wasn't written a hundred years ago. That's a very recent document. Just when you thought I was unfairly blaming the church for uniforms. The final story came up, thankfully, didn't happen in Carlo, so I can totally comment away. But it is again related to religious control of schools and it was the Dublin Archdiocese's interesting decision to scrap its sibling first policy. Now, it's not often, for me anyway, that I get a chance to hold a mirror up to the very people uh, that were um, basically telling me to go back to my own country um but i don't think i'm going to get a better chance than this one and to be honest i wasn't going to bother doing a special episode at all until this story came about and i i I, and and on its own really uh, it probably doesn't warrant an episode so um i decided to do an episode because of this story really to be honest with you i just can't leave it uncovered this story um has been is is all over the national media at the moment. Uh, it started last uh, last week and is continuing into this week as I'm recording because the first round of offers have gone out from primary schools to junior infant enrolments in uh, primary schools. And shock, horror, some siblings cannot go to the same school as their older brothers and sisters. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Absolutely ridiculous. Why would the Catholic Church? make a rule where they scrap siblings being allowed to go to the same school as their brothers and sisters. Why would they do such a strange thing? And as somebody put it, why would they want to separate families? Isn't this exactly what the Catholic Church is about? Families. Some families have organised socially distant protests outside their schools now. And yes, for those of you who are principals, you'll be delighted to hear that parents have even organised a group called, wait for it, I love this, a concerned group parents group I know if you're not a principal that's not funny but I think that's hilarious every time there's a problem you get a concerned parents group they really need to think of a better name anyway, how many have you come across uh, these concerned parents group? I don't know I I, I just think it's funny sorry I'll, I'll have to stop um, anyway in fact uh, according to the Irish Times who dedicated two articles not just one but two articles on the same day to this story a number of TDs in the Dublin area have called on the Archdiocese to review its policy in fact Fianna TD Jennifer Carol McNeil said the need to arrange multiple drop-offs and collections at different times in different schools will make life even more difficult for parents. And Fianna Fáil TD Cormac Devlin has also called for the admission policy to be re-examined. It needs to be a fair system which takes account of the fact that children have siblings in a school. The changes are causing stress and anxiety for many parents, he said. I'm quoting the Irish Times. So some of you are probably wondering why I'm sounding so cutting. You know, I've tried to put on my most sarcastic voice here. Um, The concerned parents and the TDs included. After all, the Catholic Archdiocese have given a perfectly adequate explanation. They said, The diocesan policy is in place to ensure that siblings and children of the parish those are three important words of the parish, can be educated in their local primary school. The majority of Catholic primary schools in the diocese have successfully operated this policy. So basically what they're saying here is that they are prioritising families from their local parish over people who are not in their local parish. They're not saying you can't come to the school. However, if you decide to go by your own local parish school to go to a different parish, well, you might get in, but it doesn't mean the rest of your family will. That seems pretty clear, pretty fair to me now some of you are probably wondering why I'm defending this policy and to be honest with you it probably is a silly policy but I mean I I mean I do have a problem with people passing by their local school uh, particularly if they're passing one Catholic school to go to another Catholic school um, I, I can totally see what's coming uh, where this is coming from look I mean the archdiocese or the diocese uh, may, should have given notice um, but you know um, about this instead of just putting it in straight away and uh, maybe have waited for these uh, these siblings maybe to have cleared through the system maybe say within I don't know seven years we're going to do we're going to get rid of the sibling policy um, but anyway that's not my business but uh, you know and you're probably wondering why I'm de- de- defending the policy and you know surely given that Educate Together actually only recently started operating a siblings first policy after years of not having it I mean it totally makes sense to have a, si- a siblings first policy and you're right. I mean, it, it, it makes no sense. I mean, the thing about this story is, I think the reason I, I, I'm acting uh, this way is it reminds me very, very deeply of another story of oversubscription in Dublin schools only a few short years ago. I want to bring you back ooh, to the hazy days of the mid-2010s and it was a time where Catholic schools and all denominational schools, I'm not just picking on Catholic schools, but they are the majority, um, had the right to prioritise enrolments in their schools to children who were baptised in their faith over any child who didn't. And these baptised children that didn't um, live there may have lived uh, in. Um, a different parish of course so the child that wasn't baptised may have lived in the same parish but his or her place was less important than somebody else outside of the local parish and when the likes of people who you might remember Paddy Monaghan Nicky Murphy and these are parents who didn't baptise their kids uh, sorry uh, couldn't get their children into local schools I have very strong memories of the reactions and not just memories because I wrote them down here were a few Ah, no. It's only a minority of schools where this is happening in. Or, do you know what? The problem is, this isn't a problem. The government just need to open up more schools. Or, this isn't a problem. We just need more school choice. Or, well, if they don't like it, they can open up their own school. However, my absolute favourite was the claim, and this was said so many times. That if these people lived in, and you can insert whatever Muslim theocracy that you can think of here, then you'd, you'd have to live, they'd have to live by the rules of their country. I, 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 I don't know. What, so if these people want to live in, I'm going to put in some country. Oh, no, I can't. It's just no, no good. They, they, anyway, they have to live by their rules. Then if you want to live in Ireland, you have to realise this is a Christian country and you can go back to where you come from and then some other xenophobic statements. I mean, effectively, that was what they said. I'm I'm long-windedly saying what they were saying because I find it very hard to say it without shuddering. Yet here we are, in our supposedly Christian country, and the branch of Christianity, namely Catholicism, has decreed that siblings are not to be prioritised. Shouldn't these same people be giving out to all these minorities saying well, if these people lived, and you can insert whatever Muslim theocracy you like here, that they'd have to live by the rules of their country. If you want to live in Ireland, you'd have to realise this is a Christian country and you can't go back to wherever you come from and others out Is that why are they not saying that now? Because the Catholic Church have basically, the Catholic Church have come up with a rule and they don't like it. So now it's not a Christian country. Of course they're not saying that because it affects them. They're not saying go back to your own country. They're not saying it's because we need to open more schools. They're not saying any of that. I, in fact, I doubt very much when it was the case of the baptism barrier, as it was known then. They gave a second thought to any family in Dublin, South Dublin, because this is where it's happening again, that couldn't get a place in their local area a few years ago. And I bet some of them who had family in that situation might have thought, or worse, said to their family memories, Why don't you just get your child baptised? Why are you being so selfish? That happened too. But I'm not like that. You know, I just needed to get all that out of my system, to be honest with you. And of course, right now, it's a stupid rule. I mean, as I said, bring in the rule in a few years' time and honour any family that now has siblings in the schools. And if you're starting a no-siblings rule, then at least give a chance for current siblings to get out of the primary school system. However, what it does do, because I, you know, and what, what this story does, is it does raise the biggest problem of all. Why are religious orders still in charge of schools? Why do they wield so much power so that even their own flock can't abide by their doctrine? I totally agree in theory with... uh, with the Catholic Archdiocese's position that all children should go to school in their local area. And people shouldn't be crossing parish boundaries to go across these perceived good schools, whether that's a Gwale school, an equality-based school, or another denominational school. There shouldn't be all these different types of schools and there shouldn't be a choice of schools. And I've said this before, 99% of people do go to their nearest primary school to where they live. And the only reason people don't is for two reasons. One, because their local primary school goes against their human rights and the other reason, as I've said, is due to this perceived notion that another school is better than their local school which of course is nonsense, as we all know. However, until then, while Catholic schools control 90% of schools in the country we either do something about it or we don't. And until then, if you identify as a Catholic and you go to these schools, and I'm not talking about people who are forced against their will to go to these schools, I'm talking about the people that tick the census box to say they are Catholic, but if you identify as a Catholic or whatever, you can't just decide you want a school that waters down Catholicism to the level that you want. Catholic schools or what they are, and even though I don't believe they should exist, while they do, they have every right to uphold their ethos. Whether that's by banning yoga, or forcing girls to dress modestly, or not prioritising siblings in enrolment policies, or holding masses for any and every occasion, that's their right. We can't have everything both ways, and if we want a Catholic education for your child, you can't demand that they accept anything that doesn't follow Catholic doctrine. Otherwise, What's the point of them? What is the point of Catholic schools if they can't follow Catholic doctrine? You have to ask, what makes a Catholic school Catholic? Yes, you get your child to make their sacraments, but the payoff is that you also have to accept views that you may, you personally may no longer believe, whether that's small things, like having to wear a skirt if you're a girl, or bigger things, like allowing your child to learn homophobic RSE content. COVID-19, as I said, has shone a light on the education system in lots of different ways. The church um, carries a lot of power and it tangles things up, uh, uh, much like my Christmas decorations uh, analogy. And in fact, it probably is the biggest knot in the system. And if we don't remove it as a big knot in the system, we can't untangle all the other little knots, the underfunding, the disgraceful way we treat children with additional needs, and yes, as I said, the various small things that religion brings to schools the uniforms the um the rsc stuff all those kind of uh, things that make religious schools religious and i think this year apart from all the awful stuff about covid-19 people outside our education system learned a few things about the daily lives of teachers and what we have to do and for a short time it was appreciated i know that too however That light that was shone on our schools, shone in places that some of us may not want to see. I hope you enjoyed this special episode Um, and uh, I guess it was a little bit tangly much like my Christmas decorations analogy um, but I hope uh, the message got through. If you enjoyed this episode I have uh, episodes every Friday evening at 5.59 just in time for your average Department of Education circular to come out. You can listen to this podcast uh, by finding it on uh, Apple Podcasts uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts and all the other podcasting apps that are out there searching for If I Were The Minister for education or on shaw's podcast uh, i'd really really appreciate you subscribing to the podcast and you will be rewarded for your efforts with an earlier release time for my podcast a possibly more acceptable time um, also i'd love it if you wouldn't mind reviewing this podcast so others can find it more easily listen thanks a million for listening to this special episode and i look forward to talking to you again all the best bye bye